0: Now you should listen to this because this concerned to you. This is about an uh, evil genius in love. Evil genius mind. It woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it. No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. <laughs> Welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. I am your little podcast buddy, Dave Slusher. Welcome to this show. show is being recorded for September 1st, 2022. Life is good. First, the business. The show is not kid-safe, not work-safe, not safe for anyone in any circumstance you have been forewarned. show is Creative Commons licensed, non-commercial, attribution, 4.0, unported. The music is by the late, great band, The Gentle Readers. They're at gentlereaders.com. Bandwidth is provided via cashfly under the kind auspices of BackBeat Media. Thank you, one and all. I do not speak for my day job or even really mention who they are because they are not on the hook for the nonsense that ensues. It is my own nonsense, (laughs) and I am solely responsible for the content of the nonsense. Shall we begin? I'm going to play a song um, that has been all over the Rock and Roll Geek Show. It is from a band uh, called Thundermother who are, I believe, Norwegian, they're Scandinavian, I believe they're Norse, um, with a kind of Janis Jopliny kind of uh, singer, with an ACDC kind of band behind her, all women. Um, Butler did a controversial track-by-track of this new album, and he gave it a perfect rating. Which is <laughs> excessive. but I started to play two, three different songs and none of them uh, struck me enough to want to um, uh, play them. So uh, at least for me, my subjective experience ain't a perfect album. But it's a good album. And I'll tell you uh, the main reason I picked. The, so the name of the album is Black and Gold. And I'm going to play the title track. You know why? Because I went to Georgia Tech. That's why <laughs> I like the song and I went to Georgia Tech, whose colors are black and gold. So let's do it. Good lord, (laughs) y'all. All right, that was Thunder Mother with the title track from their album Black and Gold. Can I get a holy shit? All right, (laughs) before we do anything else, let us do what uh, 38 people think is the best part of the show, and that is the reading of the patrons. The following people went to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon, and they pledged to keep... This shambling mess, a shambling, shambling, shambling down the road. Thank you to the following people Derek Coward, patron number one, Adam Rittenauer, Ken Kennedy, Paul Fisher, Arhuili, Robert Harvey, Paul Smith, Andrew heron Grant Bachoko, Nutty Nukchas, Tony Ewing, Craig Step, Steve Holden, Shannon Nelson, Charlotte Kennedy. Leah, The Enigmagic, Angela Lee, Chuck Tomasi, Stuart Maxwell, John Richardson, Michael Butler, Bruce Lerner, Eric Peterson, Skeeter Murphy, Chiaki Hinohara, Robert Gibson, Len Edgerly, Melissa A. Bartell, Andrew Howe, Michael Street, Neil Forker, Daiko, Kevin Freedy, Brian Springer, Tim Shaw, Rob Usden, Wayne Pittenger, Brian Jones, and last but not least, Joe Pollock. Thank you, one and all, for your support. And again, if you would like to support this show, feel free. Bitly, B-I-T dot slash E-G-C Patreon. And with that, we shall... <laughs> kill the music. <sighs> I'm finally, finally getting it together with uh, Pipewire. Uh, some of it, I think, is them figuring it out. Some of me, is it me figuring out how to make something the default um, I make my uh, collector thing. I have one called Media Playback. This is how I do the Mix Minus, right? I want everything going to my headphones except my microphone. And so I have a thing that collects together everything, and that goes to both Audacity and uh, my headphones, and then my, um, my microphone just goes to Audacity. And I found out that if you go into Pulse Audio... This is all Linux shit, by the way. This is like new Ubuntu Linux shit. If you make... Go into Pulse uh, Audio and make that thing, that media playback, the default. Then all those problems I was having where it disappear, the connections disappear as soon as the music stops. And then when I started back up, it's playing nowhere. That solves that. But God damn. Oh, I wish I had never upgraded. I was listening to the self-hosted podcast and they were talking that I just listened to an episode from the backlog called Update Roulette. And it's kind of like that. That's what you get when you get a little farther out. You know, you, uh, when you're a little closer, when you're a little into the tribe, when you're in the center of the pack of the elk, um, you know, you got a Windows machine, you got a Mac, you, uh, don't have, you don't have zero to worry about, but you have less to worry about. When you're running uh, Linux, and I'm, you know, not running main, main Linux, I'm running like a derivative, the System 76 Pop OS. There's always risk every time you hit the button and all the various stuff, and all the shit of my sign Now, this is like nerd life, man. The self-hosted podcast is all about nerd life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk some of that stuff, but not first. Uh, first, I'm going to talk a little about living and where you live, because this has been on my mind a lot, right? The house that we've been in, we are at the about eight-month mark. Um, we have – everybody, like, lately has just sort of gotten tired of the inside of this house, And independently, all three people in this house have kind of buckled down and like started to make boxes go away and take things that have more or less been piled like where they were since the move, um, sitting there (laughs) kind of untouched. We've uh, decided that we're dissatisfied with that. And everyone is trying to make all the various spaces more functional, which is like a good thing. I'll be honest, in the house that we lived in for 15 years, when we moved out of that one, there was still shit in moving boxes that had arrived in that house in that moving box, more or less probably at this point, uh, no box was untouched, but certainly there were boxes that had never been uh, unpacked in any meaningful way. And so we're actually like, everybody is, uh is kind of making a better, uh, a better go of it, right? The, I'm not going to reiterate the whole saga with the dog that made us have to leave the, um, the, the, Neighborhood with the HOA. But, you know, we were in a house for 15 years, the house where we brought the baby home, right? <laughs> it, it, it was a comfortable enough house, but it was older. It needed lots of work uh, that we didn't want that much to deal with. 1960s wiring, we had already fixed some of the 1960s plumbing, uh, 1960s uh, windows, a lot of shit had never been updated uh, from the beginning. Plus, because it started as a small house and then got expanded, uh, you know, got built on, had basically added on, and then added on again, the backyard was terrible because that's where the house was. <laughs> what used to be the backyard was now house. So you had this misshapen, unusable, really uh, not much fun yard. And we kind of got tired of that. We bought a much newer house, and the, the, the development which had uh, you know great internet had fiber to the curb uh, it was a much newer house um, but also was on the small side for three people, two dogs and a lot of shit. So there was a lot of people on top of each other and uh, you know it was fractal because what was happening in the house was also happening out of the house because there's houses on top of each other like if you looked at the window there was no angle you could look at where you couldn't see, 20 other houses. <laughs> you know, every direction you look, there's just houses. And there's lots of people. And then the HOA means lots of people where the squeakiest wheel is in your grill the hardest. And it just, hmm. So the, you know, the dog thing made us leave. We and it was one of these things where we wouldn't have left, minus that. You know, it was fine. But when we moved to this house, I actually realized like how much of just daily life in there was you know it was like a it was like a mosquito in the bedroom it wasn't you know it wasn't a crisis it was just a mm, mm. you know a lot of the people you know there were people in there that were very nice people that i liked there were people i did not like at all the dude who 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 flew the giant trump flag for uh the almost the entire time we lived there when he took it down and put a uh, blue lives matter flag. We're also larger, I think, uh, than any American flag I've seen in almost any context. So, uh, you know, there was that kind of stuff. And it was, like, situated such that when you looked out of our back uh, yard, like, if you looked out of our back um, porch, we're, like, staring at this guy's flag. (laughs) Oh, boy. So you come out here, and we're in the country. We're situated away from uh, everybody else. We've got you know, we we made the trade-off. We've got a bigger house. We've got a way bigger yard, the biggest yard I've ever had. Uh in any house we've owned. We lived on a, a pecan orchard. We rented a house on a pecan orchard that had a bigger yard, but this is the biggest one I've ever like owned myself. And and part of what we paid for was getting out of town because this house in town we couldn't afford. Um, and we kind of thought we were taking a hit, but it turns out like this little highway that we live on, on like we can get downtown at the same speed or faster because you kind of down out and around without going through the central, um, the central traffic of, uh, there's basically one road that goes from inland to Myrtle beach and it goes right through the heart of this town. And, uh, you know, when we lived in the, the development, we went down that road to get to anywhere. Unless you explicitly took a back road, which took even longer. And so we can get, like, if we go to downtown, it's the same time. It takes basically the same time to take the kid to school from here as from in town. And, uh, you know, so, like, but I had this conversation with the kid at at, uh, dinner yesterday, which is, we just like the way life feels out here. We have neighbors, but, like, the entire neighborhood has, like, Eight houses. They're building two more, so there'll be like ten houses or twelve houses when we're done. Like the entirety of the the big giant block that we live on has twelve houses. Um, you know, we have the uh, we have the ballpark across the street. We actually went over and did batting practice yesterday. We we walked across the street with a bucket of balls and just did it till we got tired. Yeah, so like much of life, we like the way it feels, and uh, in a way, I like we wouldn't have come here for the life. But we like the life. Uh, I spent hours yesterday uh, weed whacking and mowing and leaf blowing. And you know what? I enjoyed it. (laughs) It's an acre and a half. And like mowing the acre and a half with the the zero turn, I just kind of like it. I just like the pace here. I like the way we feel in the house. I like the amount of elbow room we have inside the house and outside the house and in the neighborhood. Like the the elbow room, the neighborhood has relative to other neighborhoods. I just like that. So I've been thinking a lot about that. Right, um, for most of the last ten years, I've had uh, you know I've worked remote, and I've had um, coworkers that were around the country and world, but predominantly, like the if not the majority, the plurality of them lived in California, in the Bay Area. San Francisco uh at the previous company a lot of them lived uh in and around San Diego but uh so southern california la san diego uh bay area silicon valley uh that's a lot uh, like a lot of my uh coworkers tend to live in those kinds of places and there has been talk at times i was like what if you came and lived uh you know lived here and worked in the office like, Ugh. oh no 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 i just don't want to I went out of curiosity because my boss um, lives in Santa Monica, no, like my my current, like the new boss at the new job lives in Santa Monica. Out of curiosity, I went to Zillow and I looked at Santa Monica and I, for the houses that are currently listed in not all of LA, but specifically in Santa Monica, there is exactly one property in Santa Monica that is cheaper than what we paid for this house, you know, with the giant lot and, you know, the big house, the giant lot. There's one property that's cheaper than that. It is a 316 square foot condo. <laughs> this is like just the entirely different uh, level of scale that we're operating at. the 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 second cheapest thing in uh, Santa Monica was more than we paid for this house, right? This entire property. So it's just a different thing, and frankly, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about not just like on on that, this level, like the house inside the city, but like this the, the place you live. There was a point in time where um I was about to graduate from grad school in Lafayette, Louisiana. And I interviewed for a job in New Orleans and I got offered that job. It would have actually been working for Entergy, the energy company. And I would have been in an office that was literally across the street from the Superdome. And I went and interviewed with them and they made me the offer. And I actually did something which was... Um, unusually smart for me, um, which is, I said, well, let me come back. I'm, I'm weighing the offer. I'd like to come back, uh, and spend a day in this office doing, I don't want there to be any special dog and pony show. I want to come on an ordinary workday and sit with you guys and talk to people and like, just go through a work day with you, go out to lunch, you know, but I don't want any kind of special anything. I don't want it to be like an interview. I just want it to be a normal work day. I ended up taking my uh, sat down with the guy who would have been my boss, and we like debug some client side JavaScript on something in the, uh, and it's like we couldn't figure something out. He he was having problem making something happen. I was like, hmm. And I opened up the console and I said, oh, I think that's your problem. And uh, he's like, sure, shit, sure, that's problems. We so I like helped debug part of the part of the, the functionality of the Intergy website, and it was and, and it was fine, and. I think the job would have been fine and the people were fine. The guy that uh, I would have worked for was also a mystery novelist. That was part of the attraction of me as a candidate is that I was doing reality break radio show and I had interviewed his mentor <laughs> on that show, which was the new Orleans based writer, science fiction writer, George Alec Effinger. Um, so uh, he, he, he was a great guy and I liked that guy, but the act of like leaving um, the office by the Superdome. And it was like four o'clock, I start, got back on the road to head to Lafayette. And it was like, you know, it was like a two-hour drive. And it's like four o'clock, it's, you know, the early part of rush hour. And I could not, because the entrance to I-10 was unlabeled, uh, I couldn't figure out how to get back in the interstate. <laughs> And, and when I did, I think I got on the wrong direction and then I had to, uh, like take an exit and turn around. And at this point, you know, by the time I'm doing all this, we, we went from early part of rush hour to straight on rush hour. And at some point I realized, I just don't think I can, I just don't think I can live in New Orleans. I don't think I have what it takes. New Orleans is not a casual place to live. It's a it's a commitment. It's a lifestyle. Not to mention that uh, one of my fraternity brothers lived there, and he I forget the part of town he lived in. It was uh, not ritzy. Let's say it was a fairly working class neighborhood. And he came out one day, and his car was on blocks, and all four of his tires had been taken off of his car. <laughs> this this is like in 1996, <laughs> and he said just just came out to go to work, and all my tires were gone. Like, what have I done? Why do I live here? (laughs) You know? So um, I think about that when I, you know, when I look at uh, Treme or something like that, you know, or when I hear people talk about New Orleans is New Orleans, my experience and the way I sold it to myself, the way I kind of made the decision is I like being in New Orleans on Saturday night and I don't think I want to be there Monday morning. (laughs) You know, it's. <laughs> I just made that decision. When we went to visit New York City uh, last fall, you know, the, the centerpiece of the entire trip was uh, uh, the kid and my wife going to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. So we're staying near Times Square, you know, walkable from the hotel to the theater that's happening. Like, we're close to the theater district. And I'm going to tell you that between... um Between LaGuardia and making it to the hotel, I was so done with the place that I was ready to drop them off at the hotel, change my flight, and go back home that same day. It's like, I just, it's like, I haven't even really gotten into New York City and I'm tired of New York City. So if there ever in my life, I don't know that there ever was a point in my life where I said, you know what, I want to do, I'm going to go move to New York and be a Bohemian and live the arty life. That was never in the plan for me. If there was ever any temptation that way, boy, it was over. It was over. (laughs) Basically on the train ride uh, to the hotel, (laughs) like just getting through the train stations and figuring out, you know, figuring out what to do and then getting from the train station to the hotel. is like, I'm just already sick of this fucking place. (laughs) And it was an okay weekend, but I'm going to tell you, like, I am not on fire to go back to uh, New York City for any reason. (laughs) There are so many more pleasurable places to me. And it was just even, like, uh, even just existing in the space of the city as a tourist for a long weekend. Uh, took more out of me than I wanted to give. So living there day in, day out, I just, I know that I don't have it in me. If you look at kind of the, like at the macro level where I've lived, the vast majority of my life since I was 17 years old has been in the Southeast. I had, you know, three years in Portland. Uh, I had a couple of years in Louisiana, which is not no longer in the Southeast, but not, that far from the Southeast. I had one year in Chicago, three years in Portland. And other than that, it's been between basically uh, Georgia and South Carolina. And for most of the last 20 years, um, it's uh, almost all the last 20 years, I've spent the vast majority of my time somewhere between Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. You know, we would, before we moved, my father-in-law, he lived in North Carolina. So we would go there you know, we would tourist in Raleigh. Sometimes we would go to Atlanta. Sometimes we go to Augusta to visit family, but like 90% of it was, uh, in this like three hour radius. And then occasionally we would go outside that not like 99% of it was, you know, no farther than Atlanta. And, you know, I don't have a problem with, (laughs) though. As a kid who grew up in uh, Nebraska and Kansas, uh, I actually have become extremely comfortable in the Southeast. And frankly, I'm more comfortable here than I was in Atlanta. I still have a number of friends who live in Atlanta, and it's the same kind of thing. Atlanta is not as hard to live in as New York. And in fact, what I remember in the mid uh, mid to late 80s when I was in school there, it was the, big, the real first wave of, of New York, basically like property tax refugees coming from New York Connecticut, you know, New Jersey, and then settling in Atlanta and then settling in Atlanta. And basically then bitching about how Atlanta is way worse than where they came from. And I was, I saw somebody else make this statement in almost the exact same words about Myrtle beach. Not that long ago. I said, however it is you got here, I guarantee it goes back the other way. So if you don't like it here, get the fuck out and go back the fuck back home, (laughs) go back to, New York, the place that you couldn't afford to live in and left in a huff. So, uh, yes, uh, they probably do have better bagels, but you made the decision. So, either suck it up or get out. But it is so um, wildly common um, that uh, this area that... I have decided that I'm comfortable with. And let's take even the larger area. Let's take from where I am all the way to Louisiana, right? which is, like I said, most most of where I live. So, like, including the whole Gulf Coast, uh, you know. Let's even include Florida, because people give Florida shit. So, let's say Florida, North South Carolina, you know, Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana. Like, that whole region. That is, in a lot of ways, like the punchline of the U.S. If you're going to... Um, make a stereotypical um dumb pl- dumb person. They probably come from there. If you're uh, you know, if you're going to talk about someplace with awful politics, you're probably going to talk about that. That's someplace with bad schools, you know, uh, poor people. That's you know, and some of that is deserved. But one of the absolute quickest ways to make me stop listening to you is to have this like knee jerk uh shitting on the South, particularly. If you're some kind of Yankee asshole, you don't get to do that. <laughs> I have a fair number of criticism about my uh, adopted region, but, uh, to listen to, you know, some, uh, turd from <laughs> New York city <laughs> dumping on my place. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it at all. Just like, uh, I never want to hear people talking condescendingly about flyover country because that's, that's my country, right? That's <laughs> I'm from, I was born first 18 years 17 years of my life were in flyover country. And so there there is no such thing. There's the country. There's country. <laughs> there is US. And it just it, it's so common. I have absolutely unsubscribed from podcasts because uh because of things like that because they they demeaned the south uh just as a regular it was like the lazy punchline as my uh, Thought Spiral uh, boys talk about the First Thought Theater. Like, their first thought is, dumb Southerners. And it's just tedious. And I just, you know, you do that enough, I'm just going to stop caring about you and your stuff. On that wonderful note, <laughs> the, the flip side of that is uh, I have decided that I really love this place. And I will defend this place. You know, but like where I am now, and the larger region, and just this area, I'm I'm high on this uh, part of the country. And with that, let us take a sip of this fine. Mm. I brewed it this morning. I actually upgraded my game at Aldi's. I went from the four dollar a pound coffee to the like the six fifty. <laughs> I'm really I'm living large out here. <laughs> mm. Oh. That is surprisingly, shockingly uh, drinkable for, for the middle of the show break. Oh, one more. Talk about a quick nerd stuff. Um, at work, they use tail scale a lot, and they use it um, basically to set up. Predictable networks because we got all kinds of crazy machines everywhere, and uh, you know we have these test things and staging things, and sometimes things want to talk to one database server or another one, and it can be extremely um, tricky to manage all that. So we set up this thing called Tailscale, which basically is like a VPN type system, but you set up your your machines basically all connect to it, and then you create this whole other network that's beside your main network. And uh, it solves a lot of those problems. And uh, listening to the aforementioned self-hosted boys, on one of their episodes, they were sponsored by Tailscale. And I said, you know, it actually works really good at work. Let me try it at home. And so I just set it up on a couple machines. I have it set up on my phone, my laptop, my Kindle Fire, and my Synology box. So I have these four um, machines, all of which have the Tailscale client. What that means is I actually have this little network of those four things. And they have their own. I believe Tailscale owns the entire 100 block, or a big chunk of the 100 block of IP ranges. So I have this other separate network, different than my physical network, that's like where they have 100 dot um, uh, addresses, and they can route to each other, but nothing else can route to them. Now the even what makes it even better is that you can set up a, a DNS. And so kind of like when you, if you ever used DynDNS where you you could pick a few domain names that they control and then you make a name, uh, you know, so you could have your, like your, uh, your home network could be represented to the outside world as, you know, whatever.dynDNS.org or something like that, that sort of thing. They have a similar thing and you can create a name and I have a name. I won't tell you the name, but it's funny because when you create these networks, they basically take dictionary words and they slap two of them together. And, uh, They're pretty at music. It's actually pretty memorable. And then it gives you a lot of combinations that way. Um, And then every device on the network now has one of those names. And so um, I stopped. So things like that I was um, accessing on my Synology box, where I was using the 192.168 address. I I stopped configuring everything that way and started doing it via the tail scale name. And then what happens is whether I'm in my house or not, I can reach my synology box the identical way. <laughs> and it is kind of fantastic. Um I have uh the cable company provides us a plume which is um it's like they're they're both their router they provide this this router and then this um mesh networky thing with these little pods and you plug one pod into the to the you know, ethernet port of the router. And then you plug other ones. They give you two for free. I may actually pay five bucks a month for a third one specifically because we have a dead spot uh, where our bedroom is. It's like the worst network coverage and also not great uh, data coverage in that spot of the house. I'm like, yeah, maybe we'll get a third one, but so you can manage that thing, but it's, it does not have a way to log into that thing from outside your network. So if you're on the home network talking to that thing, Boom, it logs you in. But if you're outside the network, it doesn't. And one of the things you can do with Tailscale is you can say, um, you can access the services on your other machines easily. So, you know, my Synology, uh, you know, has the web page, it manages it, and I can be out on the mobile network and reach my home and manage my Synology. Fine. Great. And so, all the stuff like that, like sync thing and services I have running on that Synology thing, I can access wherever I am on the broader internet and that is great. But you can also configure this thing called an exit node. And I have configured my laptop to be one of these exit nodes. And if you say that, then it's like a VPN where my traffic uh, does it is all traffic is going through my home laptop, and then out to the internet. And when I do that, I can be outside on my mobile phone, you know, outside of my home network. But uh, all my traffic is coming out of my laptop and, and that means I can manage that uh, mesh network thing from inside the network. Cause I'm effectively inside the network, even though I'm out in the mountains of uh, North Carolina and I fucking did that. And it was fantastic <laughs> and all this stuff. And you don't have to do like weird port forwarding. You know, you don't have to do anything to get access to the stuff inside your network. Nothing special. So, uh, Boy, if this company were a sponsor, it would be. This would be a long uh, ad. All I'm saying is, uh, uh, it just makes things that were tricky, and particularly like when you're on the road and you want to. I used to like have to make sure if I wanted to do something with my Plex, I had to make sure things were right, and uh, if I wanted to be able to SSH into my home laptop, I had to open a port to get in there, and it was awful. I don't have, like when you do all this stuff; you're not opening any ports. Like Tailscale is managed, it's basically like the old uh Lily Tomlin style uh switchboard operator. Everything talks into it and now Tailscale knows how to route everything back out. Um but no but at no point are you opening up your network, right? Everything is kind of uh arranged in the center at this meeting point. And it's fantastic. So all of that is a long prelude to tell you that um if you're a Plex user, um you got effectively you know, the, it's the internet version of when you get a new neighbor and they have to come knock on your door and tell them a little about yourself. Oh, oh, by the way, I'm on this list of uh, this very exclusive list of people <laughs> and I've moved into your neighborhood, that sort of thing. Well, Plex had to do the thing, which is, oh, by the way, we had this uh, data breach and uh, this stuff is, and we don't think they got credit cards, but uh, your password, reset pat, me And uh, again with the self-hosted boys. Uh, they're getting a lot of uh, they're getting a lot of time this episode, but they were talking about um, kind of losing faith in Plex, and Plex has a lot of really great stuff. Like the Plex Live TV is actually pretty fantastic, and Plex has become more and more like it's got this Just Watch functionality where if you search in Plex, it'll tell you if you have um, it'll tell you you search for a TV show, and it'll tell you. Um, If you have it, it'll, you know, you just click the thing and open it, or it will tell you like what services it's on. And just like you configure and just watch you say, I have these things. I have Amazon Prime and Netflix and uh, HBO Max. And it will tell you, oh, this is available on one of yours. Yes, you can go see. You can see this because it's available to you. Plex does exactly that same thing. So Plex has done a lot of great stuff. And the functionality is getting better, and I love things like uh, you know on my tablet I can have the mobile sync and say keep in sync the most the the oldest three unwatched shows of this TV series. And if I watch one, whether I watch it from the tablet or anywhere, boom, it you know it deletes the one and then downloads the newest one. So I have it always rolls with you, but the data breach and some other stuff. And I do actually pay money for that. I pay five bucks a month for Plex and, uh, you know, to get the, whatever you call it, the pro level thing. And there's this alternative. And I was like, Ugh, do I want an alternative? It's called jellyfin, which is in itself, I think a fork of a project called MB. And I th- think there was a point in time where all of these things, there may even be like, Back, you know, twelve years ago, there may be some common code am- amongst all these things, but Plex is a commercial, closed source uh, system, and even though I like it and it works for me, it's uh it's opaque, and Jellyfin is in fact open source. Um, it is not as refined because there's not a big company you know doing this stuff, but um, out of curiosity, these guys were talking about it and they said, well, Plex has kind of given me. Uh, they've given you a jumping off point with this data breach. it's like, eh, if you're on the edge, it might be time to really get serious about Jellyfin. And so I installed Jellyfin, and you can uh, install it on a Synology, same same place I have my Plex server. Here's the fun thing. I pointed it at the identical library as the Plex server. And by and large, this thing just works. And um, I'm going to, as an experiment, Basically, I have both of them running side by side, so the metadata is going to get a little messed up. Like if I watch something in Jellyfin, I don't believe it will be marked as played in Plex, um, unless they're using the identical format. I don't know that much about it. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't even actually know where the metadata um, that says you played this thing on this time. I don't know when that where that exists. I do know that with very very minimal setup, Jellyfin is like uh recording to track TV that I watch things. It's like, whoa, that works great. <laughs> so the thing it doesn't do is, and it has mobile apps and I have now already have jellyfin on my phone and, uh, and my Kindle fire. And when I set up where the server was, I gave it the tail scale domain name so that, uh, it can reach my jellyfin, uh, whether, uh, you know, whether I'm in the home network or not in the home network. Um, And, you know, it's basically just like a utility, right, that just exists. And you can download shows and uh, watch them offline, but it does not have the automatic sync. Um, So you have to remember to download them. And if you watch, like if you download five episodes of a show and then you watch all them while you're sitting at home, you have to remember before you go on the road to delete those and download more extra ones. That's a bit of a drag. And when you go and look at the Jellyfin um, on GitHub, I think that sync is like the number one most requested feature. <laughs> so, with any luck, um, there will be a point in time uh, in the future, hopefully not this far future, but in the you know, uh, middling-ish future, that um, that, that will uh, come online. So... <sighs> The push, it's not a huge push, but um, I am kind of willing. Oh, also, Jellyfin does have a Jellyfin Roku app. So uh, that was kind of like, if it didn't have that, um, that would be a little bit of a deal breaker. It does not have a PlayStation app. So upstairs um, in my office, when I watch TV, I watch it on the PlayStation. So I can watch a Blu-ray or DVD off that if I want to. Um, That's how I watch Netflix and Amazon Prime. Um, And it's how I watch Plex. It has a DLNA server, which uh, uh, the media player on the PlayStation will play the stuff, so I can physically get to it, but it's not. Like, you don't get the suggested and watch the next episode, and you don't get the the nice things uh, of that. So there is no PlayStation app, client app. Uh, for Jellyfin. That is a uh, blow against it. Not a huge one, but it is a non-zero blow. So at this point, I'm tentatively like a midterm goal would be to get rid of Plex and use only Jellyfin. Um, I may just stop playing, paying for Plex like right now. <laughs> I may decide that like whatever features I get from that, uh, I don't uh, care about that much. And also um, I would like them to not have my uh, credit card anymore. Uh, one last thing, I think, and then we'll get out of here. Um, While we're talking about possibly getting rid of things, (laughs) here's a couple. Here's a couple. So right after podcast movement, I talked about Oz9 and how I went to the presentation that Shannon Perry did uh, about turning her podcast into a graphic novel, and uh, I thought she was funny. And I listened to Oz9 and I loved the first episode. I will tell you that at this point, I'm something. Where am I? I'm on uh, like episode thirty, maybe. I've moved forward several years in the backlog, and uh, whew, I am subscribed to the show, but I am not anywhere near as enthusiastic as I was at the beginning. I can tell you, I have a very clear point where for me personally, and this is for me, this would not necessarily hold for you or any individual. But for me, the episode when Grandma Girl was on, that was the jump the shark moment for me. They, they jumped the grandma girl on that episode, <laughs> not literally, but figuratively. And, uh, whew, it's just not. And I will say around that same time, they've had multiple episodes where they do crossovers with other, uh, fiction podcasts. <sighs> and remember me saying, um, how the live episode they did was to that point. I thought the worst episode it was like the least interesting, the least, uh, compelling. And I had all, uh, the least of the stuff I like about the show. I listened to, like, so I guess he would count Grammar Girls a crossover. Really more of a stunt casting cameo. Um, but uh, I've listened to multiple episodes now where they've crossed over with other uh, narrative fiction podcasts. I have hated, like, not, you know, been unenthused. I've literally hated every one of those <laughs> that they've done. I think they fucking are awful. They suck. And, whew. Uh, to the point where I actually took a break of it. I was listening to Oz Nine, uh, you know, frequently. Uh, I will listen to a couple episodes of the backlog, and then in an Oz Nine, and then a couple more episodes in Oz Nine. I I took a break. I I made sure instead of alternating with it in Old Gods of Appalachia, I listened to nothing but Old Gods of Appalachia in that in that role for a while because I just it's like maybe I'm listening to too much. Maybe if I were listening to one a month, I wouldn't uh, feel this way, but whew, uh, the, 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 bloom is off the rose. The dew is off the daisy, it, whatever. So I'm sticking with it and I will probably, you know, I think I've got 25 episodes left in the backlog. I'll probably catch up on that. Listen to it as it goes forward, but whew, boy, definitely. Um, it went from being a pleasure to a, eh. um, and one other show that I will talk about before I get out of here. Um, I listened to the reading glasses podcast. Um, I believe maybe it was even on the discord server uh, link in the show notes um, listener and patron Eric Peterson mentioned that he listened to that. And I had never even heard of the show. Or if I had, I had maybe heard the promo swap from Maximum Fun, which um, longtime listeners will know, Maximum Fun, <laughs> as an entity, uh, every show that I listen to on Maximum Fun, I think, uh, started somewhere else and moved there, uh, with the exception of Reading Glasses. I think it's always been a Maximum Fun show. But I listen to it, in despite of the funness, the maximal funness, um, it is in no way a selling point to me. And I listen to the show, and I like it. And it's all about reading. Some about e-reading, Is you know, some about books. And you know, they encourage you to stop reading books you don't like, which is one of my worst habits. I will plow through until I complete, even if I hate the book, because I hate to be a book quitter. And I'm like, life's too short to read books you're not liking. And so I, I like a lot of that stuff. Well, somewhere about three or four months ago, and this is possibly the dumbest, smallest reason to get fed up with a show. Someone bought them a slide whistle. And this slide whistle has really reduced my love for the show. They think it's the greatest thing ever. And so they'll say something and a slide whistle. And I guess it's the equivalent of me uh, when I would take the harmonica on "Mad at Dad and Butler would say, so I got up in the morning and I go, you know, But they love the slide whistle, and I will give them, in any given episode, I will give them one slide whistle. Um, Everyone past that makes my unsubscribed finger itchy. And in the most recent episode, I was actually eating by myself in a barbecue restaurant and just listening to that show on my uh, Echo Frames. They must have used it 10 times in that show. And I was like, Jesus Christ, guys. And they have this impression that the listeners love it, because I guess they have gotten feedback from people that they love it. I don't know if I should give them feedback. I, I mean, I don't don't know. that It seems wrong that they think that this is universally loved, because frankly, <laughs> I'm thinking about dumping your show because of your goddamn slide whistle. Uh, is that worth uh, telling them or not? I don't know. But I will say that I had 200-plus episodes in the backlog And I did not unsubscribe from the show, but I thought, even though I know that the backlog does not have the slide whistle in it, I said, you guys have really reduced my enthusiasm here. I just dumped the backlog. I'm like, I no longer feel like listening to 200 more episodes of you guys. So I'm still subscribed. I'm still listening to new shows. But it's the dumbest things, man. And sometimes I get in my own head. I'm like, what is my thing? Surely I'm presenting the same thing. You can tell me. Dave at Evil Genius Chronicles.org. If I uh, am presenting one of those things. <sighs> Feels like a show. Feels like a show at this point. If you would like to reach me, the aforementioned email address, Dave at Evil Genius Chronicles.org. Show notes will be up there. If you want to get to any of the things I mentioned or any of the shows I mentioned, whether positive or negative, they'll all be up there. You may say but I love slide whistle and I want to hear indiscriminate use of it as punctuation in a podcast. Be my guest. (laughs) You can follow the link to reading glasses beyond that. Just know as you go out in this cold, cruel, uh, getting, uh, dark earlier, getting light later, unless you're at the bottom of the world, then who knows what the hell's happening to you. Just know that I love you. Goodbye. When that's over, if we're still alive, I'll clean my own fucking mess up.